Hi, this is Wayne Zell and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth. And with me today is my special guest, John Becker. Welcome, John. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. John is a founder. He's an experienced founder, operating executive. He's an angel investor, consultant, and now board member with a lengthy record of identifying and capitalizing on highly successful technology companies. So anybody who's interested in technology should be watching this today. He's an investor and a board member of Kion, which is based in Fulton, Maryland, and they do cloud enablement software. He's also a board member of a company called Aware in Columbus, Ohio, that uh, basically provides insights on what is going on within modern business collaboration platforms like Teams and other platforms. And then he's also on the board of a NASDAQ traded company called Siren. He recently was the CEO of a very successful uh, company that exited Sourcefire. And then he also uh, has been involved in the management of ScienceLogic, Approva, CyberTrust, TrueSecure, and Accent Technologies. He's a CPA, and he graduated from the Robbins School of Business at the University of Richmond. So, you know, you've got a long pedigree of success. Tell us a little bit about how you got from Accent all the way up to Sourcefire. Just give us a little little background on your uh, on your history in the technology industry, if you would. Sure, Wayne. I'll, I'll go back a little, little further. I actually spent ten years at Marriott Corporation. Ah. In the financial side of the uh, house, so that's where I developed my interest in technology. Um, I was one of the first back in I think it was 1979 or 1980. I got a compact luggable for those who are old enough to remember the, those things. Uh, I, I had one of those too. It, it weighed about 75 pounds or whatever. They did with the big five inch uh, floppies. Uh, but, you know, as an accountant, it made my life so much easier. And um, from that, you know, I got more involved in the technology, in the ERP applications. And uh, I had a good friend of mine who recruited me into the software world. Uh, so I left a very stable environment called Marriott where, you know, I had a potentially great career and I went to take a risk and I felt I was young enough that, you know, why not? The world is my oyster. So I went out. Sure. Okay. Um, so I got involved in, in the software on the financial side. I started out as a CFO and I had a mentor. Uh, we all love mentors and, and quite honestly, they taught me the uh, operational aspects of a business. And I quickly migrated from the financial side of the house much more to becoming an operational executive. Uh, they sat me down, taught me about product management, product development. And, you know, I, I think it was pretty intuitive to me. Um, and then I... Can you tell us who the mentor was? Uh, it was a guy named Rich Lefebvre. Uh, he's down in Florida, but he, he, he was the CEO of several technology companies. And he was the reason why I actually went to the technology business. Uh, I sat down with him for an interview, expecting it to last an hour, hour and a half. And eight hours later, I said, oh, I got to go work for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been an interesting interview. Eight hours. Really? It was the whole day. We, you know, we, we just we got along quite, quite well. Uh, That's awesome. So, so, so from there, so there, there we, you know, we, we, we had a small little company that did uh, software in the Vax VMS world. Uh, that was 
a good company, but not a great company. And we ended up uh, refocusing the company uh, in the security business and rebranded ourselves as Accent Technologies. Uh, we were a six million dollar company, Wayne, back in the you know mid nineties, um, going to eight or nine million. We actually took the company public. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very very different world, right? You got to have yes. plus million of ARR and a variety of different things. So uh, it was it was just a it was a fun fun time. We were young. We were the types of individuals that would just jump on grenades and get anything done. So we were, we were quite excited. Uh, we got the company public. I think we raised $50 million on a hundred million dollar valuation. And that gave us the financial wherewithal to do some acquisitions, to invest in go to market strategies and things like that. Um, so we grew that company from really literally a startup to about 150 million in uh, revenue, and then we sold it wow. to Symantec. Uh, John Thompson at Symantec. So for those of you who know John Thompson, he's the former CEO. I mean, uh, chairman of Microsoft. Uh, but he was running Symantec, and uh, I took a couple of years off. I said, "Wow, this is great. You know, life is good. I'm still young." Um, and then I started another company called CyberTrust which is also in the security space, uh, managed security services. Mm -hmm. And we were probably one of the largest managed security services company. And we ended up being acquired by uh, Verizon. Uh, I took a little bit more time off, about 18 months, joined another uh, information technology company. So uh, I don't know that you really want me to spend too much time going through each one of those, but focus mainly on enterprise software sales to organizations. Okay. Was kind of the the path that I took. And uh, the last one was SourceFire. And that was also, you know, another great company, rapidly growing, uh, very young organization that ended up selling to uh, Cisco. Actually, Cisco pursued it quite aggressively. Um, And then, I became an angel investor and board member and the like. So the um, the service that you had was very management focused for decades and you served on boards as a manager. Um, you've had the opportunity to work with companies that have had board of, boards of advisors and board of directors. What is in your mind the key distinction between a board of advisors and a board of directors, and why is it better to have a one or the other, or should you have both? Uh, I think they're very different, quite honestly. But, but board of directors has far more accountability uh, and liability. Uh, so so from, from that perspective, there's some issues there. A board of advisors has less accountability in my mind. You're friends of the company, you wanna offer advice and counsel. Um, but I, I, I prefer being a board of director member um, because uh, I like working with teams. I like guiding companies. I like working with them through problems. So a lot of the work that I've done in the past isn't just successful companies. We're growing. Everything is straight up to the right. Uh, there are a lot of problems that, that go into selling software and working with customers and the like. So I tend to prefer being a member of the board where I can influence management, work with management, and help them 
uh, progress and grow the company. So when you were on the boards of you know, the earlier companies that you mentioned, uh, you were a manager, you were the CEO of the company, this chief executive officer of the company. So you were an inside director. Yep. Then you, you know, transitioned out of being a full-time operator, um, which is probably a good thing, gives you a little bit uh, of time to relax and spend time with your family. Um, but you still have accountability and you're an outside director or what they call in the UK an external director. And you're serving as a member of the board, but not as part of management. Give us you know, your take on the distinctions between being an inside director and an outside director, not what's better or worse, but what was it like being a management director versus a, an external director? How does, it, how does the interplay go between the two and have you found it to be significantly different? So it is different in the sense that as an external director, your focus is more on the shareholders of the company. Um, that's your number one priority in, in my mind. Uh, right. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I won't mention uh, the company, but, um, you know, as management, we were approached by an organization to be acquired. And there was some reticence. Could we do it on our own? Could we increase the value of the company? a variety of different things. And this particular company made a very lucrative offer. Um, and one of our external directors basically said, got up in the middle of the meeting, asked if counsel was on the phone. They said, yes, that our job is to do the best for our shareholders, regardless of what management wants, what, regardless of, of uh, you know, what we think the company can do. And their answer was yes. And then they turned to me and said, looks like we sold the company. So the focus really is on creating value for those external shareholders and representing those that aren't the, the non-management interests. In other words, you know, management may want to take the company a certain direction, but it may not be the right thing for those other shareholders out there. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. The other thing I just throw out there as a, as a management member of the board, you have a ton of information. And you really, you know, the communication with the external directors is extremely important. Keeping them informed of all of the things that are going on is vitally important. Do you have to uh, pick and choose your battles, pick and choose your communications carefully inside the company versus being outside where you really are in need of all of the information that you possibly could have to make good informed decisions? I would, I would think management would be very careful about what they say to outside directors. So um, I'm on And you've been there. Yeah, you've done that. Look, Wayne, I'm also unusual. I'm pretty blunt and direct. And I share everything with the board. I think it's extremely important because uh, the board has you know, li liability associated with that. So I, I'm, I think it's a very important that one, they interact beyond just the CEO with the rest of the management team, but they have a good understanding of what's going on within the company. And I also look in them as advisors and, and you know, giving me guidance 
uh, when you know you, you run into difficult situations like some of your direct reports, are they performing? Are they not performing? What should we do? So having their advice in counsel is really important, and having them well informed so they're not surprised is very important. Good transparency is the key. There's a there's a new ETF that is uh, teamed up with the Arc Funds. I actually represent the founder of it, who. Uh, it's called the transparency index. And uh, I think it's a really important thing to be focusing on companies that truly are open and disclosing everything they need to disclose. So that's, that's really helpful, John. Thank you. Um, we're talking with John Becker, who is uh, an experienced founder, operating manager, but also now a serves on boards of directors of various companies. Uh, one of those companies that I was really interested in hearing a little bit more about was Kion out of uh, Maryland. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what they're doing and, and why it's uh, such a, an interesting company to be involved with. So uh, Kion has a uh, software platform that helps organizations migrate and manage cloud use utilization. Um, and I, I think it's really important what, what, what attracted me to Kion. And, and again, when I, when I choose companies, I like to get involved in things that I haven't done before. Um, and Kion was a spin out of a government contractor. So it's actually a fairly small uh, 5 million in annual recurring revenue type of company. And we as investors thought it would be very interesting to move that into the commercial segment. And they had a handful of, of uh, commercial customers. So they kind of really... Uh, you know, validated that it's usable and workable in a commercial market. So we put together a consortium and we invested in a company to help bring that technology to the commercial side of the house. Uh, very successful, uh, well-run organization on the government side, but now it's the opportunity to really take it to a much larger uh, TAM. Is the company that you're working with a spinoff that just does the commercial side or is it doing both government and commercial? So uh, it was a government consulting organization that had built a product and they spun the product and the team associated with it into this new organization called Kion. Awesome. And another company that you're working with on the board is called Aware, which is a great name. I mean, I, I don't know if they can get the trademark for it, but if they can, they should. Um, and that... I, I understand does uh, provides insights into what's going on in, inside of an organization in terms of the collaboration platform that they're using. Tell us a little bit more about what they're doing and how it can be used by small companies and big companies alike. Sure. So um, where was interesting to me, I, as you can tell from my background, I came from a lot of security oriented companies. So helping defend organizations and uh, I, I think security is the gift that continues to give, keep giving, right? <laughs> you know, right now, <laughs> particularly. Yeah, you know, it's it's art. It's around architectures, right? We went from mainframes to client server to distributed computing to cloud technologies, and the same issues, um, you know, follow you throughout those different architectures. Aware is, is similar in the sense that we've relied on text messages, we've relied on email to communicate with one another, and recently some new platforms, Teams, Slack. So if you look at the way organizations communicate with each other, they use these new collaboration platforms. 
And Aware has built uh, software. They've developed AI uh, modules to develop insights on all that communication that occurs through those collaboration uh, uh, platforms. And it, it has, you know, a, a security implications. It has compliance implications. It has regulatory uh, implications. So sure. very excited about what they're doing. And again, that was another one where we put together uh, some money to see if we can accelerate their growth. Uh, they're a little different in the sense that uh, where Kion has worked with smaller uh, organizations, um, Aware actually has very large customers like Walmart and um, uh, McDonald's. And now they're trying to bring it more to, uh, you know, I call it the, the Fortune 5000 versus the Fortune 50. That makes sense because artificial intelligence is most useful when you've got a large population of people and a large volume of data being fed into the machine so that it can uh, learn from what's being said and articulate what uh, might happen in the future, right? So. Absolutely, and it presents really tough problems in, in terms of scale. How do you scale? How do you retain all of this data? Uh, one large phone company that's using the software, you know, they went from uh, 3,000 users to 30,000 users, and now they're literally looking at billions of pieces of data that they've got to store and cull through to, do, to develop the insights. It's, it's very, very... Uh... So these companies are relatively new companies. They're startups. They are. They? They, they, uh, startups. I mean, they're, they, you know, they're in that 5 million ARR, so I, I consider that a startup, right? That's a startup. Yeah. I mean, a startup is not somebody who just opens up their shop and starts thinking about a prototype to develop. It's, I mean, that's a real startup, but what you're doing is a company that's got recurring revenue, right? Accounts receivable. Absolutely. And, you know, what's exciting about them is these entrepreneurs are thinking of the world differently. They're anticipating large markets that are going to start to develop. Uh, you know, security many, many years ago was all about antivirus software, and today it's far larger than that. So uh, that's that's what I like is is really trying to find those entrepreneurs that kind of have the vision uh, to look forward and see what's happening down the road. That's fun. Yep. That's a lot of fun to be involved with. Um, if you, based on your vision and what you're seeing. What's the next hot thing that we should be on the lookout for? <laughs> oh, gosh. Wayne, one thing I'm about me, I'm not a visionary. I'm the operator. <laughs> ah. All right. So you're just helping them put their vision to reality is what that's I'm what I try. That's what I've done most of my career is, you know, is, is team myself with really bright, technically astute folks and help them take these ideas to market. Would you say that, uh, this is the last question for today, would you say that probably the most important thing in building a sustainable company is the management team? Absolutely. And, it, and in my view, in my book, quite honestly, all the functional disciplines have to work in concert to deliver the product or the service to the market. So the team is really important. Um, and, and it's also... You know, it's also difficult because the folks that might take you to a $20 million or $30 million organization may not be the same folks that get you to a 50 or or $100 million organization. But the team 
the people, extremely important and helping cultivating and developing those people. You know, that's, that's what I love to do is work with those guys. So they are there when the company's a hundred million dollars, not just a $5 million organization. Awesome. Well, we've been talking with John Becker. John, thanks so much for being a guest on Blueprint for Wealth. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure. And I hope the, uh, the listeners enjoyed listening to your words of wisdom because I did. Uh, I learned a lot today. And uh, stay tuned for an educational moment where I've talked about this before, but we're going to talk about the difference and the distinctions between boards of advisors and boards of directors. Stay tuned for Blueprint for Wealth. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Wayne Zell, and welcome back to Blueprint for Wealth for your educational moment. Uh, today, we're going to refocus again on boards of advisors. Our last guest, John Becker, was talking about being on boards of directors. We're going to talk about board of advisors as well as board of directors and some of the nuances and differences between them. We'll talk briefly about what a board of advisors is and isn't and its differences and advantages from boards of directors, the standard arrangements that you typically see with boards of advisors and the compensation arrangements for them particularly, and then how do you start to build a board? So first, what is a board of advisors? It's a group of individuals that helps the owner of a business manage the business better. That's the simplest way I can articulate that. And it's usually maybe up to five or so business professionals who provide advice on how the business owner can utilize the business advisor to make their business more valuable. It's an informal relationship. It's therefore more flexible than say a board of directors. It's used mostly in startup businesses and businesses that are growing very rapidly on their way towards an exit or an IPO. And they may or may not meet regularly, but the board of advisors or the advisor often provides one-on-one -on -one assistance to the CEO of the company or the owner of the company. It's different from a consultant or a mentor. A consultant can be an advisor, but typically the consultant performs single projects of limited duration for cash compensation. And a mentor usually acts on an unpaid basis and acts very informally uh, in that regard. So who should serve on a board? Well, the key members are experts in a specific business or in a specific discipline that help you as the owner fill your gaps in your business. It might include a lawyer who's a legal expert. It might include a financial or accounting expert, somebody who really knows human resources, marketing and business development and sales is usually someone that is very helpful on a board of, ad of advisors. And then of course, somebody who really understands your industry, say it's government contracting or technology or both or retail or real estate. You want somebody with experience in the industry who can help you make decisions. What's the difference between a board of advisors and a board of directors? Well, as I mentioned, a board of advisors is informal. A board of directors is a formal relationship. Boards of advisors are usually formed by informal action. A CEO can handpick who, who serves, doesn't have to require any kind of shareholder approval or even board of directors approval usually. And it's governed by contract with the individual members. 
There are no fiduciary duties that are owed by advisors who serve on a board of advisors, and they're not liable for their acts or omissions. And usually, usually they're compensated by getting equity in the company that they're helping serve. The board of directors, on the other hand, is installed by a formal vote of the shareholders in accordance with the bylaws of the corporation or a special shareholder agreement. The board of directors, the members of the board, owe fiduciary duties of care, loyalty, and prudence to the corporation itself and to the corporation's shareholders. The management, the officers of the corporation, are required to report to the board of directors. So the board of directors oversees the officers and the operations of the company. A higher risk generally involves higher cost to the corporation in the form of directors and officers insurance and higher compensation, generally cash fees, accompany equity grants to members of a board of directors. The typical agreement with a board of advisor member includes confidentiality and non-disclosure provisions that are designed to protect the trade secrets and intellectual property of the company. It outlines or articulates what the duties and responsibilities of the advisor are, advisor are, and it may include a minimum number of hours per month or per quarter that the advisor is expected to provide to the company in exchange for the equity grant. They need to be available for calls with the executive team. And it'll also outline what the term of the agreement is. It might be just a one-year term with automatic renewals for up to three years or five years. And then, of course, it outlines what the compensation is. Compensation, again, usually is equity-based if there's any compensation at all. And when I say equity, it could be in the form of stock, could be stock options or stock appreciation rights or phantom stock, synthetic equity. But in the normal course, advisors who serve on the board of advisors typically don't receive cash compensation for serving on a board of advisors. And the level of equity obviously will depend on the size of the corporation, its capital structure, and the individual's background and experience that they're lending to the corporation and the CEO of the company. Usually it's between a quarter of a point and 1% to uh, compensate the advisor for serving on the board. And it usually requires vesting over time might have two-year vesting, so we want the individual to provide two years worth of service and with a six-month cliff, meaning that they have to serve for at least six months to vest in any portion of the equity grant. It also may require performance vesting. So somebody who's helping out on the sales side may vest in the options or equity that they're given only if they provide a certain number of leads or the leads turn into revenue for the company. When do you start a board, board of advisors? What's the best time? Well, you've got to hire key employees and you've got to hire managers. You've got to ramp up your sales and marketing efforts and production if you're in producing products or in your, you're in manufacturing. You've got to develop strategic partnerships potentially. And you may need to raise capital. You may need research and scientific expertise depending on what you're doing. 
all of these benchmarks are times when you may need to have somebody help you accomplish the goal of hiring the best employees, getting the best bang for your buck and ramping up sales and marketing and so on. So the time to, to bring on a board of advisors generally is fairly early in the process of operating the company. Where do you find advisors? How do I find the best people to fit the model? Well, first, start with the people that you know and then use their networks to try to expand your network and bring in the right people. But the people that I usually advise clients to talk to are their attorneys, their CPAs, other investors, people who've invested early stage, venture capitalists who've made an in inquiry into trying to provide financing to you, but you may not have taken the, their financing yet. They may be a good source of uh, providing individuals who can serve on a board of advisors that might lead to a venture capital event, investment bankers who can help you with the exit of your company or take you public, and others who successfully exited the industry. So people who've been there and done that are great sources of advice. Selecting the right advisor really is who can help you the most. And the first thing you want to do in evaluating where, you know, what type of advisor you need is to evaluate the gaps in your business. Do you have gaps in any of these key areas, finance, accounting, HR? Do you need capital access? Are you looking for somebody to provide you with technical expertise or legal expertise? Then screen the candidates. Don't just let them become advisors and give them equity. Interview them. Get references from others that have uh, dealt with them in the past. And don't just go for somebody who's got a big name because even though they have a big name, they may not have the time to devote to your company. So availability and avoiding conflicts of interest are key. That's some guidance on building a board of advisors and the distinction between that and a board of directors. If you need help in setting up a board of advisors, give us a call at 571-203-9355 or Visit us on the web for more information on boards of advisors, corporate governance, and business planning at zellaw.com. Thanks for listening to this educational mo moment, and join, join us next time for a special guest and special topic of interest to you on Blueprint for Wealth. Have a great week.